We are all huge Matthew McConaughey fans here, right? Yeah, that's the first and only time we'll probably cheer for uh, Matthew McConaughey in the household of God, but he's a great guy. And anyway, uh, Failure to Launch, though, that's a movie that Matthew McConaughey stars in as this character, Trip. I don't know what his first name is or if that's his last name or what, but Trip is a guy who everybody loves Trip, but not necessarily everybody respects Trip because Trip is an individual who at 18 might have been living one way, but at 25 seemed to be living the same way, and at 30 and 35 seemed to be living the same way as 18. Trip was an individual who was caught in extended adolescence because he loved all these guilty pleasures, these comforts in life, but he didn't like the idea of responsibility. And so the title, Failure to Launch, is talking about this guy who fails to launch from adolescence into adulthood with responsibility. And so that's why we're throwing Matthew McConaughey up on the screen tonight, because when we think about the church, when I think about quite a few seasons in my own life, I can look and notice a lot of times where I failed to launch into life with passion for this faith that I claimed, right? Like anybody else feeling that? Like maybe you grew up in a Christian home. Maybe you are someone who was reached with the good news of Jesus and you heard about the gospel. You heard that there's this thing called brokenness in your life that a lot of church people call sin. And that's something that gives us a lot of shame, gives us a lot of fear, gives us a lot of doubt. And, and we have that. As a growing up, maybe we were reached, meaning we, we heard the gospel and maybe we surrendered to Christ. We, we got down on our knee before the Lord, either literally or figuratively speaking, and we said, Lord, like, take my life because I realize I have this brokenness. I realize I have this sin. I realize I've been wandering, and I realize that you have a path and design for my life, and I'm not living it. And so, Lord, here's my life. And for a lot of us, I think we've been reached. We've understood the gospel. Maybe we've embraced it. And some of us are in a place, too, where we've started to be raised up. We, we've started to open up the Bible. We don't just show up to church. We also have Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday evening, whatever your schedule is, you're opening up the Word of God. You're letting it speak to your heart. Rather than letting culture inform who you're going to be, let the Word of God inform who you're going to be. And you're growing in your faith and you're being raised up. Maybe you're like, oh man, and I'm super spiritual because I'm also making disciples. I'm starting to tell other people about the good news of Jesus. But even so, having been part of this ministry for the last six years down here, even so, people get to that point and they're living it out. Even so, we've seen so many students have a transition in life where they go from college to non-college and they fail to launch. And what I mean by that is rather than continuing their faith, they throw in the towel. They set down the Bible and they just start living life a different way. Maybe it was cultural hijack. Maybe there was something that happened in the church and it led to a lot of critique of the church and that's why they're leaving. Maybe the, the person had some sort of crisis that happened and then because of that, they're, they're mad at God and they've wandered and they're off course and they've failed to launch into that next season. 
And that's, that's happened to friends, that's happened to family, that, that happened to me when I was 18, that transition from high school to college, not a great transition, started to doubt the existence of God altogether. Sometimes that might happen for a middle schooler going into high school, but a lot of times when we have this transition in life from one thing to the next, maybe it's when you're in the real world and you move from one city to another city so that you can have that better job, you get to that new place, you don't get connected to a church, you don't put yourself around people who believe the same things as you. And even though you've been reached and raised up, you start to live differently because you're not launching into that next place with this desire and trust in the Lord anymore. And so this evening, as we begin to to walk through Timothy, the the end of Timothy, we're going to see that Paul has some words for us. Because here's, here's what happens and I'm kind of like stealing a little bit of this from Zach, uh, his sermon last week. But, but imagine, this is what happens. Like imagine if I had a key. Imagine if I had a car. Imagine the car had fuel in it. Imagine I'm in the driveway and I even turn that car on. But I never leave. I just stay there. What's the point of the car? The failure to, to launch is just me sitting in that driveway for the rest of my days. Is like, why do I even have that? And so tonight, as we're in 1 Timothy, we're going to see that, that we can have a plan in place so that when we get to that next transition in life, maybe you're a senior and you're like, yep, going on to the next phase, going to start to make money, like more money than eleven forty nine an hour. I'm excited for that. Like, for, for the senior dreaming about that next phase, there is something that you can have in place so that that is not your story of this failure to launch. Maybe you're not at that place yet. Maybe you're a freshman and you're just beginning to understand college life and how to do the whole be a student thing at this level. No matter where we're at, we, we have so many different transitions The hope would be that tonight, as we look at 1 Timothy 6, we're going to see that there is a secret in life to launching well and living with an impact so that we aren't the people who are sitting in our driveway, key in the car, car running, air conditioning on, music playing, but not going anywhere. And so let me pray for us, and we'll begin to walk through the text with one another. And so, Lord, we thank you that we can use an old movie on Netflix right now to stir our hearts to think about what we're going to do with the next season, God. And I pray that as we spend uh, just some time together in your word, that we would be able to be guided from your word to understand how we can live in such a way that we're not just reached, we're not just raised up, but we are released in our faith to continue on no matter where we go. And as we're going, God, that we would be people who make disciples, who make disciples, and who allow this gospel truth, this relationship with Jesus, to shape us the whole while. And so, Lord, I pray for these uh, students in here. I pray for my own heart that that I don't let, yeah, just the, the things on my plate in my life ever get in the way of staying on mission with you. And, Lord, would we all be in that car, going forward in in gospel passion for where you'd call us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
We'll go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy 6. It's just after the book of 2 Thessalonians and just before Hebrews, I think. Turn to 1 Timothy 6. That's where we're going to be. And so as you're turning there, uh, I'll give a quick synopsis. It's helpful. We talked about Timothy a little bit on Sunday. It's helpful. We talked a little bit about Timothy last Thursday. But the book of 1 Timothy, Paul wrote this letter to this Ephesian church leader named Timothy. And as he's writing, he's pretty much sending orders from headquarters so that Timothy and the other believers in Ephesus would know how to live out their faith within the church and beyond the church walls. And so that leaders within the church would understand how they were to be living. And so as we enter chapter six tonight, specifically, we're going to read Paul's parting words to Timothy as he helps give him a little bit of a compass, a little bit of a map so that Timothy would understand how to live. And so tonight, the the outline is going to cover three things as Paul helps Timothy see three things. Number one, what to do with every day that's in front of him, with his actions, how to deal with his desires from the heart, and why Timothy must commit to never Stop because of the purpose. And so with that in mind, let's begin to read verses 11 to 16 with one another. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. He's referencing some things in the verses before. You, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and about which you made the good confession of the faith in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and the only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. First thing we can see going on there with Paul is that he's transitioned in the letter. He had been kind of speaking over the church of Ephesus, and now he's proverbially kind of just sat down across from Timothy, and he says, but for you, imagine hand on shoulder, but for you, O man of God. And he begins to tell Timothy some things. What does he say first? He says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. He's saying, put your track shoes on. There's some things that you need to be running away from. He's referencing Timothy needing to run away from maybe this desire he could have for the love of money, to run away from harmful desires that people in his culture had been running after. And so he's saying, Timothy, sitting across from him, young man, if you're wanting to be able to live out your faith, if you're wanting to not only be reached and raised up in your faith, but to continue on in your faith, no matter where you go as a leader, as you launch into your ministry, Timothy, as you're living, you need to have your track shoes on. You need to be fleeing certain things. Then he says you need to pursue righteousness. He starts to talk about character. He says righteousness and godliness. Those are things that you need to pursue. Those are things that you need to be running after. The choices that Timothy was making would matter because the choices that he was making would leave an impression on the people around him within his church and within his culture, within his city. 
And so he says, pursue righteousness and godliness. He says, pursue faith and love. As you're making decisions, make decisions not out of fear, but out of faith. As you're interacting with people, don't interact out of this stone-cold heart or this programmatic sort of thing, but instead interact with people in a way that would be titled as love. Timothy, as you're living out your faith and this love for other people, have steadfastness, have this nature about you that's unending where you just keep pursuing over and over. And again, he's like, don't do that with a stone-cold heart. But what does he say? He says, have gentleness as well. So some of the first observations we can see in there, it's just an older man helping a younger man see, hey, this is how you're to be living each given day that you have. Running from some things and running towards others. After that, Paul begins to use some of this wartime language of, hey, man, fight the good fight of the faith and take hold of that which is eternal. And then as we look ahead to verses 13 and 14, we see him kind of shift his language a little bit. In 13 and 14, he says, And I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, to do what? To keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. What was the commandment of God that he's referencing here? Some scholars say he's referencing this phrase, good confession, that just took place in in the verses before. Other scholars would say he's he's maybe referencing the gospel as a whole. Maybe he's referencing the whole book of 1 Timothy. I tend to believe some other scholars uh, that have studied this out would, would tend to say, no, actually, it's more so this idea of the great commandment. In Deuteronomy 6, it it talks about loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And Jesus picks that up in Matthew 22, and he says those same words before a group of religious leaders who ask him, hey, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment and what Jesus says in their response? They say, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he, that's Jesus, said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And so Paul is telling Timothy, if you're desiring to launch into your ministry well, stay in your ministry well, you're going to have to have this understanding that as you're waking up in the morning, you're orienting your life around this great commandment to love God with every bit of you and to not be half-hearted, to orient your heart, your mind, your strength around loving God. And Paul is not only saying this with his words, as Timothy is hearing this, read to the church, maybe he's read it uh, just on his own as well. He's seeing this from Paul and also understanding that Paul's whole life was a testimony of loving God with everything. And I think we can see that very clearly in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says about himself and a group of believers how they were living. But as servants of God, We commend ourselves in every way. How? By great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger with our character. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, and genuine love. Paul is showing Timothy not only with his words, but with his life, his rich history of loving God, orienting his heart every day around loving God. Paul is saying, Timothy, if you're going to continue well in this faith, you have to orient your life and every day that you're given 
around this great commandment. To love him and not yourself above all. And so what that means for us is our ability to launch into life whether it's this next season of summer or this next season of, hey, I'm going to go start my career now. As we launch into this next season, whatever that is for you, we have to be able to have that willingness every day when we're waking up to surrender ourselves before the Lord and say, all right, here's a new day, God, and you know what I'm going to do with it? I'm going to love you with all of me. And that's what Paul had done, and that's what he called Timothy to do, and that's what we're called to do as well. So as you think about your life, consider, like, have I, would I call myself someone who's reached? I've confessed my sins before the Lord. I'm following after him. I'm being raised up in the church. I'm understanding the truths of Scripture more and more because I'm in it. I'm running after that. But as you think about the decisions that you make, would you say that as you're living your life, the choices that you're making, does it look like you love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind and strength? Or does it look as though you're, you're loving yourself by your actions? As I was thinking through just this idea of launching well and into the next season of life, so I was looking through the text as well. I, I couldn't get rid of this like image uh, and idea uh, kind of that was just stewing in my mind, brewing in my mind, whatever the phrase is, I don't know. But anyway, as I was considering this passage... And what we're talking about tonight, I kept thinking about the idea of a toy soldier, and you're like, this is weird, a toy soldier versus a soldier who has stories to tell. Because like for me growing up, I mean, I had a lot of G.I. Joes, I had a, a lot of Star Wars figurines, like I was that cool kid, like out in the like outdoors, just going like this, you know, playing war. There's a big difference between those toy soldiers just messing around as a kid, a huge difference between that and actually being someone who has been in a battle, fighting for a mission that you believe in. There's a huge difference, and in the same way, there's a huge difference between saying, oh yeah, I love God, and actually living that out every day by orienting your days and your actions around loving him. And so living with impact begins and ends with orienting our days around this great commandment. For the believer, we have to orient our life around the great commandment. The second aspect of launching into life and living with impact is through understanding how to deal with our desires. And we can see that spoken of in verse 17 to 19. And 17, it says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them to not be haughty or prideful, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. The Ephesian desire at this point in their cultural history, was very much tied to wealth. They had set their hopes. They had placed their little G God up on the mantle, and it was like, man, we're going to live our life for this thing called wealth. Riches is what 
they were engrossed with. We can see in verse 17 where it says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. And from what we know in the words of the Apostle John, writing in Revelation, the Ephesian church, they were a people who, who started to follow after Christ. A lot of them began to follow after Christ, but something got in the way. They started to put their desires in something else. And in Revelation 2, it says, I have this against you, it's referencing the church of Ephesus, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. And I believe that they abandoned their love for the Lord because they wanted to run after the pursuit of wealth. They'd set their hope, they'd set their desire on the material rather than the faith that they had. And I think that's why Paul in verse 18 is probably emphasizing the need for the Ephesian church to be rich in good works. And as they have that wealth to be what? Ready to share. And so Paul is helping Timothy understand, okay, the Ephesian church, they, they seem to have this tendency to put their love, their affection, their desires, their hopes on their wealth. But he doesn't stop there. Paul also shows Timothy where to set his hope, where to set his desires. In the second part of verse 17, he says, set their hopes, they set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but instead on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And so he coaches Timothy to understand, like you need to be able to not only live your life in such a way where you're, you're, having your everyday action wrapped into this thing called the great commandment, you, you don't just focus on that, but as you're living your life, you have to realize that your desires, the reason, the why, the purpose behind this is very much because you're putting your hope and your desires in God. And why? Because that's where the joy is at. That's what it talks about in verse 19 where it says that's where true life is found. It says, do this so that you may take hold of that which is truly life. Verse 17 and 18 says that's where the true riches are. And so Paul is revealing to Timothy, okay, as you're living this faith out, if you're wanting to, to not just be in a spot where you're kind of just getting by, if you're wanting to launch into your life with passion and purpose for the glory of God, you need to be setting your hopes on him. Don't set your hopes on the wealth. Or what the Ephesian culture says to set your hopes on God. And so how do we deal with our desires? We orient them in our great God. We replace our own wants, those own desires that we might have for our own selfish gain. And we exchange those for placing our hope and desire and God. And so if the Ephesian church put their hope in wealth, what's the thing that is tempting your heart, that's keeping your heart from putting your hope into God? Is it a desire to, to have that wealth, to have the things? Is it a desire to have connection with people around you? You've been lonely in life. Maybe you've been just trapped in a really long season where it's like, man, it really feels like I'm just living life on my own. I have thousands of people around me, but it really feels as I'm living life like it's just me. And because of that, you've been craving community. And maybe that's what brought you here. And, and, and you're putting the eggs of your basket into community. 
or maybe it's an achievement thing, or maybe it's pleasures of life or, or comfort. What's the thing that's getting in the way? If the Ephesian church had this wrestle with wealth, what's the wrestle in your heart that keeps you from setting your desires on the Lord? Like for me, I think the, the God that I serve a lot of times is just the, the God of getting things done. There's probably no like technical God named that in, in the dictionary. But when I think about my life, like I really love just having a checklist and getting that done. And it doesn't mean like as I'm living that out, it's like, oh, sure. Like if I have to, you know, spend time on this and instead of spending time with my family or instead of spending time with the Lord, okay, well, at least I got the things done that I wanted to get done. What's the thing that gets in the way of you putting your hope and desire in the Lord? To me, to you, Paul says, orient your hope in God because that's where the true life is at. The third aspect of launching into life and living with impact is understanding why we must commit to never stop. We can see this in verses 20 and 21. Paul says, O Timothy, guard the deposit that's entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble, the contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, for by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Paul's final words to Timothy are, guard this deposit. Guard the deposit. You've been given this, this spiritually financial thing in your spiritual bank account, this huge deposit that is bigger than anything else that you could ever imagine. You've been given the truth of God because of your relationship with Jesus. You've been given unity with God. And because of that, you also are promised the kingdom of God. And you've been given this deposit, Timothy. And so as you're living life, you, you can't stop running after the Lord because you have the best thing on earth you ever could have expected. This is far beyond anything you could have dreamed of. Timothy, you have this confidence in the Lord. You have this faith. And so guard it. You've been given what Jesus had talked about, the, the mustard seed that grew the mustard tree. You've been given the buried treasure that's worth more than all the money in the world. You've been given the pearls, the fine pearls that nothing else can compare to. Timothy, you have this deposit. Hold it, guard it. And speak of it. So what that means for Timothy is that no matter what cards he was dealt, no matter where he geographically found himself, no matter what might have been happening to the early church with persecution, no matter what might have been happening to the early church, with immorality within it and beyond its walls, no matter what, Timothy had this gospel truth, this deposit that Paul had entrusted to him, that Paul had told him about, that Timothy's grandmother and mother had told him about. He had this deposit to hold on to. He said, you can never let that go. 
When a reverent babble would come up around him, he wouldn't have to let it captivate him because he was holding on to that deposit. When there were false contradictions around him, he wouldn't have to let them derail him because he was holding the deposit. And when people were swerving in their faith around him, he didn't have to go with because he had this deposit. He had been reached with the gospel. He had been raised up with the gospel. And Paul's giving him this charge to be sent with the gospel forward in his church and beyond. And so why do we commit to never stop? Because we're called to orient our purpose around the great deposit, this gift that we've been given from the Lord where we have the truth of God, where we have unity with him because of our relationship with Jesus and where we've been promised the kingdom of God in part now and in full later. So that's why we hold it. And if we're in here wondering why Paul left Timothy with this, this charge of like, hey, grace be with you as you go, Timothy. Why is he ending with that? Because Timothy's friends, Hymenaeus, Alexander, spoken of in the beginning of 1 Timothy, they had shipwrecked their faith. They had been reached. They had been raised up. They were living out their faith, what seemed to be a real and true and strong faith, and they were living that out. But what did they do? They failed to launch. At some point in their life, there was a decision that they made where they said, I'm no longer going to orient my life around the things that I've been called to. And because they started to let all those little choices add up, over and over and over again, the Bible says, the word of God says that they shipwrecked their faith. They failed to launch next season. And so as Timothy is going, Paul's giving him this word, grace be with you. God be with you in this. And so what's, what's the secret of being able to launch into life with impact, what's the secret of being able to continue in our faith no matter where we find ourselves and no matter what might go our path? What's, what's the formula once we're following after the Lord to stay on track? I think so much of it comes down to what we're seeing in the text here, this idea where we're gonna orient our days around the great commandment, this idea where we're gonna orient our desires around our great God. We sing about him, do we live that out? Do we allow our affections to actually be for him? Our affections feed our actions. That's what we're saying, you know, on a Thursday night, praising the Lord with our words as we're singing, but then all of our actions are saying something else. Would it be that we're really orienting our desires around our great God, or would it be that we happen to just sing songs about our great God? So if we're wanting to launch into life and keep after it living with impact, it's orienting our life around these things that Paul has laid out in front of Timothy. God's desire for my life, for your life, tonight, tomorrow, for all of our years, is that we would be in a walking relationship with him. Where we hear that good news of Jesus, we break down and understand that we are wandering without him. And we surrender it to him and we walk on this path. And rather than failing to launch, we, we have this endurance that Paul modeled with his lifestyle that he communicated to Timothy. 
And we just let that be our heartbeat. So on your chairs, you got some cute little pieces of paper that we threw down like the last couple of seconds before you guys got in here. It's terrible planning on my end. Sorry if that bothers you. And that little sheet of paper talks about the different phases of life that we can be in. Okay, so, so we're all breathing. We're all living life in this room. And as we're living life, we have this little card in front of us that has some different options of where we're at. And so the, the first line, this will be up on the screen. Some of us are in a place where, where we're unreached, where maybe we're living life without uh, really a why in our life. Maybe we're just living, we're just existing. Maybe we didn't grow up in a Christian home and we're just kind of living life and take it as it comes and we're given a new day and okay, I'm gonna live my life because I've been given a new day. And we don't necessarily think hard about why we're living. We just are living. I've been in that place many times. And so maybe you're in a spot and you're like, ooh, that's me to a T. Maybe you're in a place where it's like, well, no, it's not so much that. I more so want to live for the moment. Or maybe you're in a place where it's like, actually, I've started to consider the ways of Jesus. And that's why I'm here. Uh, I, I like hearing and understanding more about what the Bible says Maybe you're in that place, or maybe you're like, man, I've actually given my life to the Lord. I'm in a place where I'm reached. Next slide, I'm in a place where I've surrendered to Christ, learning to follow him, reading scripture, and in community. Maybe you've been in that spot for the last six months, and you've just started to learn so much about your Lord and so much about your life and your need for him. Maybe you're in that place where it's like, man, I feel like I'm at the beginning of this journey, and I've been reached with this good news. I've been given this gospel, and I love it, but I'm just at the beginning. Maybe you're in that spot. That's a sweet place to be. Maybe you're in a spot where it's like, oh, I feel like that was a little bit of me last semester or last year. Maybe you're like, no, more the raised up. I'm more in a spot where, where I've started to really understand things in Scripture, and I'm trying to multiply. I'm trying to talk to other people about this faith. I have people uh, maybe age-wise older than me or faith-wise older than me, and they're, they're helping me understand how to live life, how to apply God's Word to the decisions that I'm making. They're helping me understand about the Holy Spirit and how my life can be transformed through this Christianese word called sanctification. Like, I'm in that spot where I'm really growing. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're in that raise phase, investing in the church, preparing to launch. Or maybe you're like, ah, I feel like I'm a senior. I know where I'm going next semester. And I, I feel like I'm just waiting for the bell to ring, the final bell to ring to be done at school. And I'm going to go get in my car and I'm going to drive to that new city, and I'm gonna go live this faith out that God has transformed me with. And I'm gonna invest in the church there, and I'm just gonna try to live out the life that I've been living here with humility and joy and passion. Maybe you're in that place. Salt Company's vision, Anthem's vision, in light of the great commandment, and commission would be that we want to help people launch into life. After they're, they're, they're done with their four years here, we want people to be able to launch into the next phase with the joy of the Lord and on mission with the Lord. And we want people to not just have the key to the car we don't just want you guys to have the music playing, sitting in the driveway. We want you going in reverse so that you can go and drive and keep running after the Lord.
And so for this summer, what is it? Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? What do you sense God calling you into? Are you going to try to just like ride in neutral all summer long? What are you going to do with your summer? For seniors, what are you going to do as you head out of Salt Company? Are you going to invest in Anthem Church? Are you, are you going to be here? Or maybe you're going. And where you go, do you have this desire to keep the faith, to stay steadfast in it, to have that gentleness, but that mission, to not be, you know, the little kid toy soldier, but no, like I'm a soldier on mission because God has called me to be. Where do you sense God taking you? And I think another thing we can do is look over at this map over here. Maybe for some of you, you're like, hey, I'm in Missouri right now feel like God has me in Missouri for a reason, but I also have this conviction in my heart to go help start another church in another place. Just so you know, that's how this church started, because there were students who said, you know what? I want to go into the next season of life with this vision that this good news of Jesus that I've been entrusted with would also multiply, not only on my campus, but in this campus in another place. And so I, with a group of, I don't know how many people, maybe 50 people and some kids thrown in there, decided, let's go from Iowa, boring state in the middle, and let's go south and, and go to the University of Missouri, which I had never heard of Columbia until like that year uh, at 25 years old. And so, and I've traveled a lot and maybe you're in a place where it's like, man, I have that conviction in my heart to go help start another church somewhere. And for you, I would say, let the Lord keep fanning that into flame and actually do it. Don't just think about it, but allow the Lord to do a work in your heart to be a goer. And maybe there's others in the room and you're like, ooh, that's not far enough. I wanna go overseas and for you, that's a fantastic mission because there, I mean, I don't know if you know the stats, but there are, I believe, one in 10 people in this world would open up their Bible on a consistent basis, read it, live it out, and try to live this mission that God has called us on. And so that means nine out of 10 people in this world do not understand the good news of Jesus Christ and live it out. So that means that there's seven billion people in this world. Seven billion people in this world trying to do the math right now. <laughs> what, Maverick, there? What, no, there's not 6.2. No, no, there's a lot of people. The point is there's a lot of people in the world who need to understand this good gospel truth that Paul had entrusted to Timothy. And so before I get too off track, what I want you guys to hear tonight, and the most important thing to hear tonight, is that we serve a God who has called us onto a glorious mission. And if God is doing something in your heart, not just right now, but ongoingly, to be a goer, then to say, yeah, I'm gonna release from my time here and go and be a disciple somewhere else. And if you're staying here, we love that too because we need people in Columbia to, to help more people around us know and understand Christ and, and for you guys to keep growing and for me to keep growing. We need one another. And so, uh, yeah, now I'm just spiraling, so I better pray. Um, so God, we just thank you uh, for who you are. We thank you that uh, we just get to be in here. We get to open up your word and understand that we can be entrusted with not only your truth, but a relationship with you and be part of your kingdom. And so, Lord, I pray that as students are considering what uh, their life has been, as they look at that uh, little thing printed out in front of them, God, I pray that they would be honest with themselves of where they are at, God. 
and understand that we don't have this militant, mean, or rude, or angry Father in you, but we have a loving God who's invited us to be in relationship with him through Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that as these students, as I even look at this paper and consider where I'm at, as they consider where they're at, God, I pray that they would allow you to not have them in a season of going backwards, but that they'd be in a spot where they are going forward in the faith of they're a believer and that they'd be considering you.